Welcome to Endobattery, where I share about my endometriosis and adenomyosis story and continue learning along the way. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice or diagnosis, but a place to equip you with information and a sense of community, ensuring you never have to face this journey alone. Join me as I navigate the ups and downs and share stories of strength, resilience, and hope while navigating the world of endometriosis and adenomyosis from personal experience to expert insights. I'm your host, Alana, and this is Endobattery, charging our lives when endometriosis drains us. Welcome to Endobattery's one-year celebration. Thanks for ringing in year two of this podcast with me. Like every great birthday, my guests and I celebrate with two episodes. Join us as we unpack part one of this celebration. Let's get started. Welcome back to Endobattery, everyone. Today is a special day. It's a really special day because it is the one year of Endobattery's existence. This year has taught me so many things, and I've recounted that before in my last podcast. But one thing that I have said and will always say is that it has taught me the strength of this community. And this community would not be as strong without the people joining me today. And these people have their own podcast, so they know exactly what it's like to to do it. But they don't just do the podcast. They're advocates as well. And they've done it varying lengths of time. So first, I want to thank Kimather Redman for coming on. She's amazing. She's from Window Thick of It with her husband, Brandon. And then we have Kathleen King, whom I have been forever wanting to have on. And she's amazing. And she just started a podcast, Jarg. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's Amy. Amy, as many people know, has been doing a podcast for a long time, who's amazing. And she is in 16 years of endo. Thank you, ladies, for coming on and joining me today. I am so excited to have you all here. So excited. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. First, I want to start off by saying, just because we've all had a podcast for varying lengths, we should probably talk about that, how long we've done our podcast, but we've also been advocates for a long time. Kathleen, you, how long have you been in the advocacy world for endometriosis? Oh, some people would say too long. Um, It's 25 years plus at this stage. Um, Yeah, I think I've wound people up over the years. But yeah, 25 years now. um, Since my diagnosis, um, I joined the UK um, charity and then the Irish charity after that and have been involved with a lot of online groups. And I was very fortunate in within weeks um, of trying to get a diagnosis that I found Nancy Peterson and Heather Greedone online and they sort of molded me, I think, into the advocate that I am now. And I'm very fortunate for that. So, yeah, it's been a while. It makes me feel old. That's the only thing. No, <laughs> you're forever young in my mind. Um, <laughs> but your podcast, you just started your podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the podcast, Jarg, is only going since the, really the 1st of September. Um, and it's something that I had thought about for such a long time. But we have such amazing endometriosis podcasts out there, like including Kimothers and Amy's and your own as well. And it's like, am I adding anything of value? But then I'm sort of thinking we have a very specific Irish community. And while a lot of the problems do overlap that we have in Ireland with everybody else in the world, there are some things that are quite specific to us, including our healthcare system. And we have a lot of people traveling to Europe um, and traveling to the UK as well. So there's some very specific local um, quirks, I suppose you'd call them, that 
would be good to cover. So, so far, so good. I'm still really learning and like I say, learning from the best. So it's been great to have all you guys ahead of me to, to sort of learn from, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's been amazing. Kimother has been not as long in the advocacy world as Kathleen, but you've been doing this now for what, a year? Right. So I started probably with advocacy working out can't even say it was advocacy. I think it was just really just introducing myself to the endometriosis community and expressing appreciation for them, just welcoming me as a, a fellow endo patient, uh, as well as a, a clinician who's just really is passionate about uh, social justice issues within healthcare. So I've been doing advocacy work related to like social determinants of health and minority health disparities for 20 years, but I am still very much a baby to the endometriosis advocacy world. But I've been, I really just appreciated how supportive people have have been to me wanting to just offer what I can to this area that so desperately just needs as as many clinicians and outspoken advocates really uh, raising awareness. Um, And with the podcast, my husband and I started the podcast just this year after the endometriosis summit. Sometime after an endometriosis summit, maybe a few months later, it was actually Amy's um, recommendation uh, who said, you guys should start a podcast (laughs) because we mentioned that we used to podcast and it was marriage um, related. It was, you know, just about couples, you know, living life and just trying to figure out this marriage thing. And we took a break from it when I started not feeling well. And I was so concerned about getting back to it and didn't know exactly how to frame it. And he's like, you could do something that's like related to dealing with chronic illness. And, and I was like, that's actually a good idea because when we tried looking for those resources, we couldn't find it. So we decided to start Endo Thick of It. And it is a podcast for couples who are navigating chronic illnesses like Endo. And it, it has been very well received and we are really excited about it. And it's very informal for the most part. It's just people coming to the t- kitchen table, having a conversation that Brad and I would have had anyway on our own. So it's it's been nice to invite people to those conversations. Yeah. It's so good too. It's so good. Oh my goodness. Elliot and I have listened a lot to your podcast and have gotten a lot of good information, but really just like connection. I think you do such a great job at connecting people and making them feel part of that, especially in the relational realm. Amy, you have been in advocacy and you've been doing the podcast the longest. How long have you been doing advocacy and how long have you been doing the podcast? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me here today. My name is Amy. Um, I've been podcasting for almost five years at this point. It'll be five years in December 2023. And I'm starting a new podcast in Spanish, which is also about living with endometriosis. So I'm really, really excited about that because I think I'm taking, you know, when I started podcasting, kind of like Kimother said, I wasn't really an advocate. I just wanted to, I had my best friend, uh, Brittany, who's my co-host, and she doesn't have endo that we know of, uh, but she has a lot of also period problems, health problems, things like that. And we just wanted to get together every every week and just talk and laugh and kind of destigmatize and take away the shame from all the all the things that society tells us is shameful, right? Like menstruation and urinary problems and digestive problems. And yeah, so we just kind of wanted to talk about how can we live well with this illness, right? And how can we how can we just 
I don't know, move, not move on in our lives, but how can we like not get stuck in all the difficulty that is this illness and how can we try to build a life worth living? And um, so it started as that. And then as we kind of, you know, we're meeting every week doing the podcast, talking about like tips and stuff, we just, of course, getting further and further into endometriosis, realizing how much misinformation there is, how many people cannot access care, how many people are suffering, you know, and I think that maybe a six months, a year later, we, it started, you know, changing into this advocacy project. And I think now my podcast is quite different from what it was at the beginning, where now I have a lot more voices on, um, I deal, you know, I have a lot more experts on a lot more patient voices. And then I want to, well, I am taking everything that I've learned after five years of podcasting in English, and I'm, I'm starting a limited series in Spanish, about 20 episodes with uh, patient and doctor voices to you know, to help spread the good quality information to, you know, people who may not normally access it. It's amazing. I think the value of having you three on is that you come from different backgrounds. You know, we're not all the same, which is the best part about this. And I think that highlights just how endometriosis affects so many different people from so many different backgrounds. And we experience Although some of the same things, we also experience a lot of different things. And I think when I first started this podcast with Shelby, it was we were looking for more specific, how do we live our life? And we started this podcast off of the theory of the 12 spoons. 12 spoons essentially is if we are given essentially 12 spoons a day to dip into the pot of life, to eat, to take care of a family member, to do all this um, you know, you fill all your 12 spoons. By the end of the day, you don't have any more, right? And that's when you rest and digest and, and then you regain some strength. But if you are spending your 12 spoons on a chronic illness, you don't have any left to give. And so the point of that is, is that when we wanted to start this podcast, it was to be able to give you the ability to not expend all your spoons on navigating a chronic illness that is very ambiguous when it goes to research and information and things like that. And it's not that there isn't information out there. There's a lot, but there needs to be more. And so that was kind of the ballpark that we were living in a little bit was we want to fill the battery for everyone, their life battery with endo. And that's a really challenging thing to do. But we've been able to do that because of people like you, whom I would have never in a million years thought that I would have this platform. First of all, I want to just tell you that I, this is this starting this podcast, I don't know about you ladies, but starting this podcast, I was completely out of my comfort zone. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I had my YouTube education at the forefront. I YouTubed everything. But I think that getting out of my comfort zone has educated me better. And then it's also given me the tools to help other people with their journey. So what are some of the things that you have learned starting this podcast that you don't know if you would have quite gathered at the beginning? Kathleen, you're new to this. Um, I think for me, I was waiting until everything was perfect. So my branding isn't finished. Um, and my website's not done. My social media accounts aren't ready. And I was like, I have to wait for all those things to be done. And it was this sort of analysis paralysis thing, wasn't it? It was just like, but I can't do it until it's perfect. And I can't do that. And then 
one of the days I was just like, do you know what? You're going to have to get this done, girl, because you're going to leave it so long that it's just going to go off the boil. It's going to be obsolete. And people are desperate for information and you need to deliver that to them. You need to get that out there somehow, even if it's not perfect. And I think that falls into the trap where living with a chronic illness like endometriosis and chronic pain, where we have put on that brave face for so long and we've put on this perfect front. We turn up to work, we have the hair done, we have the makeup on, we have the clothes on, we can do all the things. But I think it was just a case of just jump in and get started. And all of those other things like the polish and all that can come afterwards. But yeah, for me, I think it was just basically cop yourself on and get started and not procrastinate any longer. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't procrastinate any longer. (laughs) (laughs) Amy, you've been doing this the longest though. And what are, you've probably garnered a lot of information and things that you've learned. (laughs) What What are some things that you've really taken away from starting your podcast? Yeah, I think a couple things. I think one of the first things is that our voices matter. And I think that can be really easy to not know about ourselves because, you know, we've spent years, maybe decades of being gaslit and dismissed and, you know, told that our what we're saying we experience isn't true, right? That our pain isn't what we say it is, our symptoms isn't what we say it is, you know, we're just weak. It's just part of, you know, being a menstruator, blah, blah, blah. So I think when you're starting a project like this, sometimes it's like what Kathleen said earlier, just my voice matter. Am I contributing anything? Like, does this space need me? And I want to tell you, yes, absolutely. Like this space needs every single voice out there sharing your story, your experience, your information, because we all reach different people and we all have a different way of speaking and engaging and connecting. And some people are going to vibe with me and some people aren't, but they're going to, you know, be really drawn to Kathleen or to Kimather. And so I think that's one of the first things is when I started, I was, I was so scared. And I, when I listened to the earliest episodes that I did, like episodes one through 20, I mean, you can hear how scared I was in my voice. Like you can hear how insecure I felt, how far out of my comfort zone I was. So yeah, I really want to encourage everyone to know that your voice matters and your story matters. And the second thing I think that I've really learned is, and of course, I think this is now being in, you know, in advocacy and doing this for a long time is how important it is to really try to find accurate information before sharing it. Um, and I think at the beginning, I, you know, there's times when you're following people, you think you're, you find a website, you think that it's accurate information. You really do. Right. And then you share it and then you find out that it's not accurate information. I think the longer you've been doing this, the better you get a gauge because you learn more, you know more, you read more, you are connected with more people. Um, you get a better gauge of like, what is a good source of information? What isn't a good source of information? But I've definitely shared things that, especially when it's like endo adjacent, like things about gut health or things about hormones that, you know, later I found out actually that wasn't the correct information, right? And I have to go back and correct that and let people know that I that I messed up, right? That I made a mistake. So I think really trying to find the best information and, you know, maybe even sitting on the 
not the project, but sitting on an episode for a while. Like I have an episode coming about interstitial cystitis. I did all the research. Um, I like wrote out a, you know, my bullet points and then I'm just kind of sitting on it. Not in the way Kathleen said where it's like, I'm waiting for it to be perfect, but I'm just like giving it a, a month or two to, to see what else I can find, what else people are saying to really make sure that I'm not, you know, publishing something before I've actually finished doing all the research for it. Kimother, you've been doing this for a little bit, but you started a podcast prior to doing this podcast. What is different this time and what have you learned, not only about podcasting, but obviously about endometriosis, because you're fairly new to the endometriosis community. So I'm sure you have a lot of things that you have learned just in the last year. Yeah, absolutely. So when we podcast in the past, it was just for fun. It was actually something for us to stay connected with family and friends when we moved across country. Uh, and a lot of our friends are married um, or in relationships. So we just decided to make it with that focus. And when I started getting unwell and not really understanding like why I was feeling the way I was feeling later, learning, of course, that it was due to endometriosis, I became more guarded with our podcast, like with the information I would share. And I felt like I was losing some of my um, authenticity because I was putting up this wall of not wanting to be vulnerable about sharing that, by the way, I'm having all these weird symptoms that I can't make sense of. So we stopped that podcast. And when we reconsidered doing this one and it having a chronic illness focus, some of the things that I learned that helped us really get started with it is that one, since we had already done this before and I'm already in a, it have been in professions that often will bring out the professionists and the people pleaser in people. <laughs> That's something that I've already worked on a lot. So yeah. I went in, I went into this podcast with zero concern about you know, pleasing everyone. Mm. I knew that chronic illness already is going to take up so much energy and I'm going to have to work around that to even be able to record. So the last thing I needed to do was also make people pleasing and profession professionism still like precious energy and headspace mm. in the process. So, you know, when we went into this, I, it felt really good to just go into it knowing I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone's going to like my voice. Not everyone's going to hear what I want to say, and I'm going to do it anyway because I know that there are there are some who do want to hear this and who appreciate um, being a part of those conversations. Another thing that I already kind of hinted on is the fact that I have chronic illnesses, and I was afraid that that would set me up for failure. That eventually I would get, you know, good momentum going and then symptoms would get out of control and I'd have to stop. And I I want to do that. I really wanted to commit to this and be able to, to do it uh, long term. Uh, so I almost didn't start because I was mm -hmm. waiting for myself to get to a level of symptoms that was manageable enough that I could do the podcast in a, in a nice regular rhythm. But again, just like Kathleen mentioned, that ended up kind of slowing me down and causing a bit of anal analysis paralysis too is of, well, just how well do I need to be to be able to do this yeah. podcast about being chronically ill? <laughs> and I was like, you're, you're overthinking this, Kimother. Just do it. Do it mm -hmm. ill. And I've done episodes recording from my bed. 
Mm. I've done episodes with heating pads and ice packs on my body. I, I've done episodes where I sound super bubbly and, and great. And then there's some episodes where I sound more down and a little more soft-spoken. And I just had to be okay with that, that, you know what, it's just more important for me to just bring my authentic self to the table mm-hmm. or to the microphone in this case. And that if anyone has a problem with that, that's fine because I'm firm in the importance of authenticity mm-hmm. in this space. So I'm not going to change that for anyone. Yeah. That's and such an important I, lesson oh. though, because I know when yeah. I started, I I really didn't, I was not knowledgeable about any of this. I felt like I was, I felt like I, I started it because I twofold, I wanted to right my wrongs from what I had learned from like the retrograde menstruation ablation theory of everything, right? I had talked to everyone about that. I I have a I am loud. I am not short on words. Everyone knows this by now. <laughs> and so I even from early diagnosis, I was telling people what I knew, what my doctor was telling me. So then when I started this podcast and realizing I didn't know anything, it really was like, you have to put yourself out there to be vulnerable to say, I don't know everything. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm glad I'm learning this. And that was something that I felt like even for me was so important was to learn with the people that listen. Because I would say there's a large number of people who are just learning about endometriosis and that's why they're coming to all these different podcasts and they're they're seeking out information. A large percentage didn't know much about endometriosis. And so my goal has always been to learn with them. And I think being doing life with them in your chronic illness stage of pain, flares, tired, fatigue, all of that, inviting them into that space has been so impactful for so many people because it makes them feel less alone. They're not alone in navigating this journey that is really hard, not only from the informational standpoint, but also from the living standpoint. I mean, we were talking before we came on about all the different signs and symptoms of perimenopause and how felt, how seen we felt and how amazing it was. You experienced this and I experienced this. And it's that's what's so great about having this community in, I've heard Kathleen's name for years now, like probably a good five or six years prior to even starting this. To see Kathleen step from not only advocacy into the podcast world, I was like, yes, Kathleen, yes, do it. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you didn't wait till you felt perfect or felt like you could do everything or had everything put together to be able to do that because what you give to the community is far better than a logo. It's far better than the sound or, or whatever. It You have a lot to offer and I'm so thankful that you decided to do this. It's so great. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced in doing a podcast? Oh, um, I think the challenges is, is sort of timing and scheduling, I think for a lot of people, isn't it? And <laughs> While we rely on a lot of goodwill um, Mm -hmm. and we're relying on fellow advocates or, you know, um, our community to make time to sort of come on podcasts and things like that. And we know people have a lot of commitments. You know, there's commitments to work, commitments to family, commitments to living with our chronic illness as well. And we have to pace ourselves. So that that in itself is one challenge. And on the other side, then you're sort of when you're looking to interview healthcare professionals, 
and um, particularly in Ireland, you know, a lot of them have dual practice. So they may have public health practice and they will have private practice maybe in the evening as well. So it can be very, very difficult to sort of get time and to sort of persevere. There's a lot of suspicion out there, I think, mm-hmm. as well, too, that, um, you know, certainly um, in a country where we don't have very readily, easily access to excision or to surgeons who can remove all of the disease, there's a suspicion that, you know, they're going to be attacked in some way or that it may be quite an aggressive question in session. And I hope that, I think my previous history, like, you know, that's away from running events and running um, conferences on endometriosis will show that that's not going to be the case, that it is a case of trying to get that accurate information out there, trying to show that there are pathways for people living in Ireland, you know, to access treatment that's suitable for them and them as an individual. But I think it's it's trying to juggle everything. I think it's tricky and trying to make sure that you've got the balance of not just the formal and serious information, but also a bit of humor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to sort of we get dragged down enough in our day. And I think it's always good then to have that wee bit of humor, which I think we've all brought into our podcast as well, mm-hmm. too. And I feel like I know everybody that I listen to. And that could be on your lunch break or it could be in the evenings. And you, you sort of feel it's a comfort sometimes to put that on. So I'd like to hope that I can overcome that challenge that people think, okay, we're not sick of listening to her after 25 years, banging on about endometriosis, <laughs> that this is actually a fresh sort of look at things. So yeah, that's probably it. Oh, no, that's so valuable. Amy, you again have been doing this a while. What are some things that maybe you didn't see coming your way or have been some challenges for you? Because five years, it's a long time to learn some things. <laughs> It is a long time. You know, I think one of the things that I'm really trying to do now with my podcast that I didn't do at the beginning and that I really wasn't aware of at the beginning is, you know, lifting up the voices of people who have different experiences than mine Mm. at the beginning, you know, especially because a lot of the episodes, I think we went 50 episodes without even interviewing another person because the first two years, it was really just me and Brittany. Lots of laughter, lots (laughs) of humor, you know, talking about our um, did that really happen experiences, right? Like our, all these moments and and how we're getting through them. But, you know, I think realizing that as a person who holds a lot of privileges with my identities, you know, being a white cis woman, heterosexual, that it's really important to realize and understand that not everyone in this community has the same experiences that I've had. Not everyone has had the same privileges that I have. Um, so I think on one end, it's really been trying to educate myself to learn and unlearn a lot of things that, you know, unconscious biases that mm-hmm. I hold, a lot of the worldviews that I hold. Um, and on the other hand, um, as part of like, you know, being not just using inclusive language, but also like amplifying voices of historically marginalized people, uh, voices that are not heard as commonly because this is a very white cis space, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that it's important to recognize that and try to lift up the voices of other people in our community worldwide. Um, And I think that's something I've really been focusing on recently is bringing in voices of, you know, different identities, bringing in voices from different parts of the world. I think that is just so important. That's something that I, I wish we had done from the beginning. But Unfortunately, we did not, but we are definitely doing that now. And you're doing a great job. A great job. I was actually, I think Kimitha and I were talking about how much you, you've you compiled so many resources and 
spoke into so many different people's lives, like where people are at and had resources to follow that. We were talking about just the depth of resources that you have. You've done such a beautiful job of talking into that space that we often can miss. And I didn't think of those things when I first started podcasting. I was like, what? And to be honest, I, I, I had a list of five things. We had a list of five podcast episodes that we could do. And beyond that, we didn't know what we were going to do. <laughs> and so just realizing further on down the, the line, how much there is to the endometriosis world really expands that horizon. You've done a great job of speaking to every community within the community, which I think is a challenge to do. It's been a challenge. But Kimother also has that as well, because you have a beautiful viewpoint on so many things. You're the practitioner, you're part of, you know, the the black community, Indo-Black, and you've done all of all of that advocacy work, but you what are some things that you have been really challenging trying to combine all of your efforts with the podcast and educating everyone around you? At least with the podcast, you know, it's been it's honestly has been great. There hasn't been a lot of challenges, but the the main ones have been both the transparency and being a clinician who was who dealing with these chronic illnesses, as well as like the, the transparency of my marriage mm. being out there to the public. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a a a price that we are obviously ever willing to pay because we we think that's what's needed in this space is is that transparency of a lot of the struggles with navigating diseases like endometriosis is the fact that our circles and families aren't really talking about these things and these challenges and and honestly that's the case with relationships often is that people kind of keep their struggles to themselves and mm-hmm. and don't welcome people into that or or even like reveal those struggles to and then they lose the opportunity of one being able to bring light to the issue and and receive support perhaps from someone but but also it eliminates the chance of someone else being able to be seen because you revealed those vulnerable um, areas. So when it comes to our marriage, even though we love doing it and we don't have a problem with it, there is some challenge with with it that we have mm-hmm. to just be okay with. So for example, we talk about painful sex mm-hmm. and intimate intimacy challenges and just some of the things that are associated with anyone who is dealing with like chronic pelvic pain. And we really had to have that conversation of just how comfortable are we are, how how, mm-hmm. how far are we willing to go with that? And we really were just like, we're going to just put it all out on the table because we, because we realized that the, a big issue is that people aren't talking about it. So, you know, I, I think we have got gotten over the biggest hump of that particular challenge, but it's something that Brandon and I stay in really open communication about mm-hmm. too, though, so that we are respecting each other's preferences and, and are keeping each other safe in that process. And then I am definitely learning a lot about how to do this while also working as a healthcare provider, because yeah. I think it's a wonderful thing when I see a clinician who is open about their 
healthcare challenges. Uh, it it just helps break down this wall between patient and provider, where the provider is often put on a pedestal as the authority, you know, authoritative individual who tells you everything you're doing wrong mm-hmm. and tells you, you know, how you're supposed to do it right. And so I do this with my own patients. So I, I, I do the same with the podcast is that I really try to try to expose the humanity within healthcare providers and <laughs> show that we struggle with these healthcare issues, just like many people do. But then I also keep always try to keep in mind that many of us have been harmed by clinicians. So, you know, that, that that's a challenge that I'm honored to really navigate very mindfully so that I can even hopefully help people heal in that area. To hear from a, a healthcare provider that their voice is important, that their pain is is valid and that I am not speaking from some place of authority and instead I'm I'm just meeting people right where they are because I'm there too. Mm-hmm. I I think it can actually be a a really positive thing. So it makes it totally worth it to be transparent, but it just means I have to be really mindful about what I say and you know and what kind of healthcare information that I share. And also just understanding that this level of transparency is not typical of clinicians. So it's not something that clinicians are very comfortable with. Learn that I that I have this this platform and and that's okay because even that opens conversations of why isn't it okay right. to show that that I deal with chronic illness as well because it's been nothing but positive with my interactions with my own patients. So it's a, it's a challenge, but it's a, it's a good challenge. Yeah. I feel like when you were talking about how much you want to share, it was funny because when Elliot first came on the podcast, him and Dane were talking about some of the intimacy things. And afterwards he's like, your mom's going to listen to that. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and that was hard. And he was like, Oh, I didn't think about that. It's fine. It's it's fine. You know, like it you I feel like you have to there is a certain level of vulnerability that you have to be willing to have when you're doing a podcast. And you, there's for me there's not a whole lot I won't talk about. There's, because I think when we talk about it being a whole body and a whole life issue, you have to be able to open yourself up more to speak into those spaces. And so for us, it was very much that way of where are my boundaries? What am I willing to talk about? What am I not willing to talk about? But then again, I think Amy, like you were talking about, it was I need to be able to include everyone, which I wasn't necessarily aware of when we started this. And it wasn't for a lack, but wasn't for wanting to, it was just for a lack of knowledge. And I think that's something that doing this podcast has really opened my eyes to is just how sometimes exclusive we can be in our mindsets and in our thoughts and what we talk about instead of inclusive, because that is a tricky balance sometimes of like, yes, this is what I know and this is what I can speak to, but it doesn't include everyone. And so that's something that I've really tried to glean from other people and other podcasts and what I've learned in the the research that I have done, which is mostly due to the people in the community. I've really had to be aware of the people who want to come on the podcast and speak. That's been a challenge for me of like, 
I want to make sure what they're saying is going to be beneficial to the listeners and not harmful. And I think that that has been way more challenging than I had anticipated because I don't think we anticipated even doing as many interviews as we have. It's just kind of taken that direction. And so I've had to be more cognizant of who's coming on the podcast because I don't want the listeners to be harmed in any way because it could add to their trauma that they've already experienced. And I don't know, have you all experienced that kind of tug and pull of we want good information, but how do we get this good information? How do we vet people? How has that been for you, Amy, since you've been doing this the longest, but how how's that been for you when you shifted from doing it as a two-person platform to now interviewing more people? Yeah, I think it's really important, the guests that you have on. That's something that I've certainly been very careful about. I think really, first of all, a lot. I think there's a lot of people who write you and they say they'd like to come on your podcast. Um, I don't think I've ever let anyone on who's written to me, not because I'm against that or anything, but because of what you said. Like, I really need to know the person, you know, and I think most of the people I pretty much everyone I've invited on are people that I've been following for mm-hmm. a long time, people that I've personally interacted with. Um, some of these are even people I would consider my my friends. Um, And I think when you have been in this space for five years, like I have, you know, when I'm like, oh, pelvic floor therapy, I know someone, oh, interstitial cystitis, I know someone. It's Mm -hmm. like now I know people who I consider very well versed, um, very well spoken, who I know are going to be inclusive, who I know are going to, you know, be aware, more aware of their unconscious biases. Uh, But, you know, I'll tell you, I'm having a kind of a hard time with that in the Spanish podcast, because Hmm. again, the quality of the guest is so important. But Most of the people that I follow are in English. I haven't been very deep into the, you know, community, the endo community of Spanish speakers. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were some people who right off the bat, I was like, oh, I know you're going to be able to talk about pain. I know you're going to be able to talk about pelvic floor. But there's a lot of people that I'm like, I really need someone for mental health or, Mm -hmm. you know, this other topic. And I don't know where to find a good quality guest. Mm. Um, So I've been reaching out to a lot of the people I trust, uh, asking them, do you know a good guest for this topic? Um, Luckily, I've had, you know, a lot of people really want to collaborate, not in coming on the show, but in helping me find someone, Mm. right? So I Mm -hmm. put out some feelers to some of my Spanish speaking endo friends and was like, hey, I really want to have a registered dietitian on. I don't know anyone. Do you know someone? Um, And typically they can, you know, suggest someone to me, then I can go take an hour to look at their website, look at their, you know, Instagram platform or Twitter, Mm -hmm. whatever, uh, you know, whatever feeds that they have. But I agree. I I also think really looking into the the guest who you're going to come on, see what can they talk about? I spend a lot of time before I have a guest on prepping for the interview, sometimes an hour, two hours, three hours, because I really go into all their different social media. And I'm like, hmm, this person is really good at talking about this. So I'm going to ask these questions. And, you know, it's like really trying to find the guest who can speak and then finding the questions that can pull the info that you want. Mm-hmm. out of the guests. Um, so I think that it's really an art, and I, but I yeah. think it is something that we get better at over time. I would agree. I would agree with that a lot. <laughs> you do get better at it. And I still have so much to learn. And that's why I think the value that you bring, Amy, is I have learned a lot from you. And I love that you are so supportive 
even for me, this is why I'm like, Amy, you have to be here. You're such a great support system for me because you've learned a lot and you're willing to share what you've learned. And I think that that has been so helpful for me in this last year. But I know, Kathleen, for you, you've been in advocacy for a long time. So I'm sure you know a lot of these people. Is that a challenge still for you to think of, okay, do I want to talk to this person? Is this someone, I know some backstory here, maybe I don't want to talk to this person. Has that been something that you struggled with in starting your podcast? Yeah, that is a challenge. And unfortunately, I think with having the history of of 20 odd years, you sort of come in with inherent bias, don't you? And we all fall victim, I think, to listen to other people's opinions as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think, oh, that person, I don't like them because they said this or that person you know, may advocate for something else. But I think it's like um, Amy has said there that you can always find a specialist topic or a specialist question or you can guide the interviewer around to something that they're very good at. And certainly why I may have, you know, biases against, you know, certain topics or certain individuals or whatever, I would like to think that I should be able to leave that behind because they will always have something to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, it's it can be hard to screen people out. And I suppose knowing that my preference is somebody who's lived experience, um, I put huge weight on the fact that somebody has gone through maybe a chronic illness. You know, as Kim Ather said, she's working, you know, as a healthcare professional. She brings that into her day to day as well. And that's very, very important because for me, I think that gives them a compassion and an empathy um, that starts us off on a good foot. Whereas maybe somebody who's very just very clinical, they've come in, they've done their appointments, whatever. They don't necessarily understand the community. Mm-hmm. That can be learned, and that's certainly something we can chat about and develop. But my preference for somebody who's given that proven track record. But in saying that, there are gems out there. There are people right. that I have invited to speak um, at an event a number of years back who have taken, didn't even know the word endometriosis when I phoned them up. They were like, oh, yeah, of course <laughs> I know about that. Yeah. And then they're like frantically Googling in the background. Um, but they turned out to be, you know, some of the best advocates that we've had because they've taken it. They've looked at the trauma. They've looked mm-hmm. at the absolute disgrace that endometriosis is in, in Ireland and worldwide. And they've done something about it. And, you know, there's always that potential of that gem where somebody takes the information and runs with it. I've even seen it myself with some of the advocates here in Ireland where they've started off with horrendous misinformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're sort of going, oh, this is never going to work out. And then you know, through conversation and through sort of, you know, development as well, people do, they learn, they develop, they expand and, you know, being able to refer them to good resources as well is good. But certainly without, I think, the community that we have and that we've grown to trust, it would be a lot more difficult. And I think, you know, as as Amy has said, it's known where to look for those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't know of somebody, I can ask somebody who does know. And I think that's very important and not to sort of think that, you know, we may know everything or we may know everything about everybody, you know, no matter how long you're doing this, there's always something for me to learn. So -hmm. there's always somebody else for me to learn about as well. Um, And I think that's important. I think recognizing our own limitations and also our own biases as well, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think that's the tricky one, isn't it? It is. It is really tricky. But I do think that you made a fantastic point in the fact that we're still all learning this. You can be doing advocacy work for 
years upon years. And I, I bet you anything, the Nancy Petersons, Heather Gwynnons, they're constantly learning because, you know, and there's a lot of advocates out there that are doing a lot of really great work. And because endometriosis, just by nature of the disease, is a continued educational point, right? We're not where we need to be with education. We don't have the research that we need to have to really understand all the facets of it. We're not where we want to be in the laws and in the care of endometriosis. And so part of doing and speaking into a space of endometriosis is knowing that you are going to continue learning and growing in your knowledge, as well as growing and learning and how to communicate that knowledge to other people. And I think that's been a really tricky thing for me is I'm learning with a lot of the people that come on to the podcast. I'm learning along with the listeners. And I love that because then you're getting <laughs> you're getting the real raw Alana where I'm like, I didn't know this. I don't want people to feel like I know everything. I don't know everything. I don't know anything. I I am very, very green in a lot of areas. And there is an element of being okay with knowing that you are going to continue learning and it is okay to learn. We don't all know everything. And I think, you know, Kimother could have very easily come into this and been like, I know everything because I'm a practitioner <laughs> and she is, and she has, you have not done that, Kimother. You have not ever made anyone feel that way, which kudos to you because you're just a warm person in general, <laughs> but I, I, is that yeah, something that would be a, that would be a serious red flag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really would. But you do, you have kind of a different platform because you are interviewing couples or people who have experienced in navigating this chronic illness. So it's a little bit different because you are combining both the information, but also the emotional standpoint of it. What is that like when you have guests on your podcast, what is the challenge there with that? And what are some things that you've really found beneficial? So because we are trying to bring in professionals, uh, as well as couples or, or even individuals who are able to speak on their relational experiences and their lived experience, I'm asking them to also have a significant level of transparency mm-hmm. too. So I really find it challenging to really want to find people who are willing to to be that transparent and then also have perhaps a partner who <laughs> equally is okay with with that transparency. But but I really do also adopt a lot of what Kathleen and what Amy does as well in getting to know the people uh, mm-hmm. first ahead of time, planning ahead of time. Figuring out what can they best speak about, what are the topics that they are comfortable speaking on from, whether it's a component of their lived experience or a certain subject matter that they are they just have good mastery over mm-hmm. and really focusing on that so so that it can be as comfortable of a conversation for the guests without putting them on a, you know on the spot <laughs> to have to then navigate something that perhaps, they're not as comfortable with because the, those are going to be the times that perhaps ignorance or misinformation can fall into those gaps. So really try to craft around their their comfort level and uh, of not only with transparency, but but also their their subject matter expertise. Mm-hmm. 
I'll also, I am remarkably critical of clinicians. It's almost shameful. Like I, I have, I have, I, I'm almost mean guy. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I, 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 I mean, and, and it's not because I think I'm better than them or anything like yeah. that. It's just that the level of harm from clinicians is so rampant. Uh, it's what I've personally experienced and it's what many of us have experienced that, my BS meter is just mm. very sensitive. <laughs> and and I also know that as a clinician, you can have all the good intentions in the world and still cause significant harm. Mm-hmm. And the safety of our audience is our top priority. Yeah. And I, I, I'm willing to have clinician interviews be few and far between if it's to ensure that I can maintain that safety for, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Cause I can agree you know, with them on some things and I can disagree with some things as well. But at the end of the day, if, if I have any concern that, it, that this may cause harm, I literally would trash the whole thing mm-hmm. and say, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> I, because I, cause it still is an opportunity for me to learn. I, mm-hmm. I love having the conversations with clinicians and, and learning um, from them, but it doesn't always mean that they are going to be that right voice to speak into this specific niche space. And thankfully, I'm slowly but surely starting to encounter the clinicians who are like-minded in that area. Mm-hmm. And also, the more outspoken that I have become about dealing with chronic illness as a clinician, the more clinicians are, who are approaching me who also deal with chronic illness and we're like a little it's like a little little club you know <laughs> <laughs> and you know I want to imp- I do want to empower them to to speak from that space and that perspective mm-hmm. and in those situations then yes I absolutely welcome them to uh, have a conversation and if from that conversation we feel like wow this would be really good information for us to share with with our audience, here's how I think it would be beneficial, and we're in agreement, then we can have them on on the show. So you'll see that there's very few. <laughs> um, but we do have a lot. We have, we have several in, you know, planned and recorded, but, oof, man. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm like I'm wondering, do I need to tone it down a bit? Am I a little too, too? Uh... <laughs> I think you're being protective of everyone, which is, That's we so need that. Protective. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we and, and I know we all are. Just as I mean, just as advocates and and people who just know the gravity of the level of harm that can be done just in a comment that mm-hmm. a, that a provider says that it, it's understandable why why we're overprotective of our community. Yeah, absolutely. Join us in the next episode as we each reveal what's next on our podcast and so much more. You won't want to miss it.